Hello, colleagues, and welcome to the Assistant Principal Podcast. I'm your host, Frederick Buskey. The goal of this podcast is to help improve life and leadership for assistant principals. Today's episode of Five for Friday recaps the strategic leadership emails for the week of November 7th through 11th. Imagine setting a leadership intention at the beginning of each day. That's what many readers of the daily email do. For some, it's become a ritual. Pour your coffee, open your email, read the strategic leader daily, and then set an intention of one thing to be aware of or to execute during that day. The daily email is a powerful leadership practice. So if you aren't already a subscriber, I hope you'll consider joining the list. It's just one more way to include me on your leadership journey. And that would bring me joy. You can find a link on my homepage at frederickbuskey.com. I'm still recovering from some weird chest and head congestion thing, so forgive me for sounding a bit strange. On Monday, we looked at the three kinds of structures that influence our work. I talked about back when I was a middle school teacher. I taught in a room that had no windows because the building had been built in the 1970s. I had fluorescent lights, the traditional arrangement, six columns, five chairs each, and then the big chalkboard in the front of the room. I taught five classes a day, had two preps, and covered intramurals, and then coached two sports. All of these things were either structures in and of themselves or were influenced by structures. Now, there's the obvious part of physical structures, the building, the shape and size of the room, the kind of furniture I had, and how that was arranged. When we think of structures, this is pretty typical of where we go to. But there are two other kinds of structures. The second kind of structure is that what's codified. So anything that's written in our rules, our laws, the board policies, all of those influenced our work. So contractually that I had, that the school was divided into seven periods a day, that it was traditional that I was going to teach during five of those periods and then have a lunch obligation and, or have a duty obligation and one planning period. Those are all things that are codified. When I have a specific curriculum to teach, that's also a form, another form of something that's codified. And then the third kinds of structure are the ones that are hardest to understand. And those are the intangible structures. And they consist of expectations, rituals, and routines that aren't written down, but that still influence our work. For example, there was an expectation that as a teacher, I would also coach a sport. There were expectations about running a teacher-centric classroom and making sure that I maintained an orderly class. And what orderly meant was up to the perceptions that were dominant in the day when I was teaching and of course by our administration. These intangible structures can actually have every bit as big an impact on how we work and what we focus on in our work as the physical and the codified structures. And the challenge is to become aware of those structures because we become used to everything in our environment and the things become routine. 
we often we often aren't aware of the things that are inhibiting our goals. And frequently when something's not working, we tend to just try to build some kind of a workaround instead of actually stepping back and examining the structure itself and then making changes to it. Tuesday's message was simple. Set an intention to help a specific person on that day. All I asked people to do was think about one thing that they could do to impact a single person, but make it concrete, something that you could actually do to support that one person that day. And I asked people to take a deep breath, to close your eyes. Don't do that if you're listening to that this in the car. And then to visualize doing that concrete action to help that one person get better. That's it. And I ended with an exhortation to go make a difference today. Now, I know for a fact that this worked for the people that did it because I actually received a call that afternoon from one of my dearest friends and mentors, Dr. Jan Osborne, who's a superintendent at Putnam County Educational Service Center in Northwest Ohio. And Jan has just been such an incredible blessing and influence in my life. And Jan reads the email every day and he just called me to say thank you and to help build me up and encourage me by sharing acknowledgement that the work that I do matters. So if you didn't do this on Tuesday, if you didn't set an intention to help a specific person, I hope that you'll do that now or at the end of this podcast. And if you're listening on a Friday and headed into your weekend, you don't have to do that intention with somebody in your work environment. Just as you're driving, pick somebody, maybe pause this podcast right now and just think about somebody in your life professionally or personally that you can do one concrete thing with and help them grow. Wednesday's message was stay calm. It's probably not as bad as you think it is. And I talked about how there are always people in our lives that seem to live in a constant state of turmoil. And maybe it's the environment that they grew up in or the news that they consume. I, I don't know. But there are always those people in our environment that radiate that kind of chaos or craziness. Maybe we're all like that to some small degree. The problem is that as leaders, when we're living in that urgent zone, when we're being sucked in by that black hole of urgency, it's really easy to mistake other people's craziness for our own. So next time you feel yourself getting wound up or caught up in emotion, just pause. Ask yourself, is this really a critical issue? And then whether it is or isn't, Hang on to that pause and slow down. The truth is that there are very few things that are actually that big a deal that are absolutely critical to somebody's mental, physical, or emotional health. So take a breath, pause, and just slow down. Exhibit calmness for yourself and for those around you. On Thursday and Friday, I talked about SOPs, Standard Operating Procedures. 
An SOP is a set of directions for a complex task. And SOPs are written out in a way that someone can take it and just follow directions. They don't need to really think about it. They don't need to try to remember what's next. Every step is laid out for them. Now, I have a simple SOP for video calls that I developed and refined in 2020 when we all went to Zoom. Because what happened would be before I got onto a meeting, I was always trying to think about what do I need to do? Do I have the right shirt on? Is it buttoned correctly? Is my hair in place? Do I need to take my glasses on? Do I have them off? Oh, I forgot to get water. There are all these little preparation things that we really should be doing for our Zoom meetings. And I found that just spending the energy to try to remember that stuff and then inevitably making a mistake added stress to my life. So I developed an SOP and that SOP just had a checklist for certain things like check my appearance, get a full glass of water, silence all my messages, tell people in my workspace that I'm getting a call, and most importantly, turn on the microphone. That SOP also tells me how to end a call. Let people know that the call's over. Turn my messages back on and you get the picture. There are a lot of benefits to an SOP, but for this one, for me, it meant that I didn't need to waste brain power trying to remember the steps before the call. It meant that I didn't forget steps and it led to more consistent quality in my phone calls. In short, SOPs save time and energy and increase quality and consistency. And here's the really cool thing about SOPs. The more complex the thing is that you're working on, the more valuable SOPs become. Because again, they save you time, but they also increase the reliability and increase the general performance level of the task. And even more, they can help other people do tasks well that they can't currently do without an SOP. Now for this podcast, we have a massive, massive SOP because we have four people that are involved in the podcast. I do most of the writing and recording, but then it gets handed off to Lance or to Colin for editing and loading up in the system. And then there are triggers in there for Mara who reaches out to our guests and handles the social media and that kind of stuff. So it's a really complex endeavor to run this podcast and we have a multi-page SOP. The advantage of that is that A, when we onboard new people, it's much easier for them to get up to speed. B, if we have breakdowns, we can go to that SOP and we can look at what happened and we can identify whether that was just somebody getting sloppy and making a mistake or whether we have a problem in the SOP. For example, we had a situation where Lance went to edit a podcast, he went into the folder and the file wasn't there. Even though I had recorded the podcast and what happened was the file on my computer did not sync with the files in the cloud that Lance was accessing. 
what we realized was there really was no step in the SOP to make sure that files synced correctly. It wasn't usually a problem, but when Lance was trying to get out and had a limited short, a limited amount of time and needed to edit that sound recording right now and it wasn't loaded, that created stress on his part, it created stress on my part. So we added a step to the SOP where when I notified the team that there was a new recording, Lance or and Colin would as soon as possible get in and just verify that that sound file uploaded. So you can see how an SOP can help us take something that's really complex and again, make it more efficient and more effective. If all this stuff about SOPs sounds appealing to you, then you can go to my website and download a copy of my SOP guide. And the SOP guide will tell you step-by-step step how to write good SOPs. And I have an example of an SOP that deals with an angry parent coming into the office and all of the steps that can detail out so that there are other people that can help you resolve that situation and you're not always pulled out of classrooms every time a parent comes into the office. So you can find that on the podcast website at frederickbuskey.com backslash AP podcast. So what's the takeaway for the week? Really, it's about being intentional in your leadership, specifically in four different ways. First is being aware of the structures that impact your work. The second is identifying one person you can impact each day. The third is staying calm, even when others aren't. And fourth, building supports to make your work easier. None of these things are hard, but they also don't happen without being intentional. This wraps up this week's Five for Friday rendition of the Assistant Principal Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and please rate this podcast because rating the podcast really does help other people to find it. I'm always trying to improve the show, so if you have feedback, please email me at frederick at frederickbuskey.com. If you'd like to find out more about what I'm doing to support assistant principals, you can head over to my website at frederickbuskey.com backslash the assistant principal. And if you'd like the SOP guide, you can go to that website, frederickbuskey.com backslash AP podcast and look for episode 74 and we'll include a download link there. I'm Frederick Buskey and I hope you'll join me next time for the assistant principal podcast and hopefully my voice will be back to normal. Cheers.